The Bible Study Podcast, episode 522. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the kings of Israel and Judah with 1 Samuel 29 and 30. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Our story of David and Saul is starting to wind down into its conclusion, which will be next week. At least, spoiler here, the Saul's portion of that will be winding down next week. But today there's a little science story that happens. Remember last week we talked about David is living in the land of the Philistines. Now he's lying to the king that he is staying with, saying that he is raiding Israel. And so this guy thinks that he's long going to be his servant. He's going to stay in this land of the Philistines forever because he thinks he's become odious to the Israelites. But it's not true. He's been raiding other people. And so... In 29, I'm not going to read the whole chapter for 29. Basically, David is with Ziklag, who is that king, and they're about to go to war with Israel. And we get the Philistines gathered all their forces at Aphek, and Israel camped by the spring in Jezreel. As the Philistine rulers marched with their units of hundreds and thousands, David and his men were marching at the rear with Akish. The commanders of the Philistines asked, what about these Hebrews? Akish replied, is this not David, who is an officer of Saul, king of Israel? He has already been with me for over a year, and from the day he left Saul until now, I have found no fault in him. But the Philistine commanders were angry with Akish and said, send the men back, that he may return to the place you assigned him. He must not go with us into battle, or he will turn against us during the fight. How better could he regain his master's favor than by taking the heads of our own men? Isn't this the David they sang about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. And so they send David back, and I'm going to skip the rest of the chapter, but basically uh, David and his men get up early and they go back. Now, the two things that are going on there, one is we have this story about the end of David's time living with the Philistines, and this is the end of that time. But in some ways, we're told that story so we can set up what happens in the next chapter, which is 1 Samuel 30, because something has been going on while David and his men have been off to war. And it goes like this. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it, and had taken captive the women and everything else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar the priest, the son of Abimelech, Bring me the ephod. Abathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in rescue. David and the 600 men with him came to Beshore Valley, where some stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley, but David and the other 400 continued the pursuit. They found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat. 
a part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. He ate and was relieved, for he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and three nights. David asked him, Who do you belong to? Where do you come from? He said, I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me because I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of the Kesharites, some territory belonging to Judah, and the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag. David asked him, Can you lead me down to this raiding party? He answered, Swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master, and I will take you to them. He led David down, and there they were, scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day. None of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock, saying, This is David's plunder. Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow him and who were left behind at the Besor Valley. They came out to meet David and the men with him. As David and his men approached, he asked them how they were. But all the evil men and troublemakers among David's followers said, Because they did not go out with us, we will not share with them the plunder we recovered. However, each man may take his wife and children and go. David replied, No, my brothers, you must not do that with what the Lord has given us. He has protected us and delivered into our hands the raiding party that came against us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the men who stayed with the supplies is going to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. We all share alike. David made this a statute and an ordinance for Israel from that day to this. When David reached Ziklag, he sent some of the plunder to the elders of Judah, who were his friends, saying, Here is a gift for you from the plunder of the Lord's enemies. David sent it to those who were in Bethel, Ramoth, Negev, and Jatir, to those in Aror, Sifmoth, Eshtemoa, and Rakal, to those of the towns of the Jarmelites and the Canaanites, to those in Hormah, Bor-Ashan, Athak, and Hebron, and to those in other places where he and his men had roamed. And first I'd have to say, I have to apologize for all of the Old Testament names here that I am pronouncing, and I am trying to pronounce them consistently. I don't know if I'm pronouncing them correctly. In my defense, it has been 2,500 years. I don't know that anybody quite knows exactly how these were pronounced in that day. So, David is no longer with the Philistines because, and I think correctly, the Philistine commanders say, we can't trust this guy, which we know because we read the chapter before that is true. They can't really trust David. David is still faithful to Saul. David still has allegiance to Judah and to God and not to the Philistines. So I think wisely they convince them to send him back. But they come back and they find just disaster has struck. Everything they have has been taken. Their wives, their children, and their stuff. And they do what is, I think, appropriate. They cry until there is no crying left in them. That is their first response. And then they're going to kill David because David got them into this mess, right? They're going to take David out and stone him is really what the sentiment is going on. But it's David finds strength in the Lord. And I think that's a, 
that's a phrase that is easy to overlook. But it is important for us to know that even when we are crushed like that, we can, like David, find strength in the Lord. And the interesting thing in this particular case is not only does he find strength in the Lord, but he finds direction. He inquires of the Lord using the ephod and using probably the urim and the thurim. He says, should we pursue them? Can we, can we get that stuff back? Can we get the people back especially? And the word goes back, yes, go. And so they set off, and there's 600 of them, and they get partway through, and 200 can't carry on any longer. Now, remember, they first cried until they had no strength, and then they took off. And so not only did they give them a head start, but now they're trying to catch up. They're exhausted emotionally, and now they're exhausted physically. They've been marching for three days from the place where they were supposed to have battle, right? It says they came back on the third day. And then they get here and find this. So it's just this emotional and physical wreckage that 200 of them just can't go on. They can't even go on to to go get their wives and kids. Right? I mean, this is how, how bad shape they're in right now. They continue and... A coincidence happens, and I say a coincidence because they find this Egyptian slave who has been left behind who can lead them to this raiding party. And and I don't mean to make light of it when I say it's a coincidence because I am a belief that God works through these little things like coincidences, that, that God put the slave in their path, but that sometimes we look at these things as coincidences and we fail to see the hand of God in it. And this is one of the first signs that God is working in this is that some slave got sick, was left behind, and they find him. They give him food. I thought it was interesting that the cakes of figs and the cakes of raisins, what are you going to carry with you as preserved food? And they're carrying dried fruit, which is going to give you energy and it's, it's easy to preserve. So I don't say that because of any theological implication, just I found it interesting. And he revives, he says, as long as you won't kill me, and as long as you won't give me back to that guy who left me to die, I'll take you to them. And so they take them and they fight them all day. They fight them from dusk until evening of the next day. We're not told they have any losses. We're told specifically 400 men go on and that they come back and that they get everything back. They get all the children, all the wives, all the stuff, plus more stuff because these people have been raiding throughout the area. This is unusual that you would, A, fight for a whole day and you would be okay, that you wouldn't have losses and they don't seem to have losses, or at least none are mentioned. And it says that, you know, they get everything back. This is also more than could be expected. All your flocks, all your herds, all your stuff, all your people, all back safe. This is the second sign that this is not just them that there's more than just good luck going on here, that God is watching out for them because this is unusual. And not only that, but you get this, you get other stuff. Now, he says no one got away except for 400 young men. Remember, there were only 400 of David's men in the first place. So either they're saying everybody got away and we had equal forces or more likely they were fighting a greater number of people and some of them got away. A greater number of people, maybe twice as much, because if it says none of them got away except for 400, it seems like 400 is a smaller part, if you will go with me there. And so David, with his 400 men, is fighting probably a larger force and 
and everything works out. Everything works out amazingly, which is what puts it in perspective when they come back and they find the other 200 men. And some of the people say, you know, you guys weren't – we fought all day, right? We, we marched for three days, and then we found this bad news, and then we carried on, and then we found the people, and then we fought all day. You didn't do any of that. We'll give you your wives and your kids back, but your stuff is ours. And David says, no. He says, no, this isn't our stuff. This is stuff the Lord has given us. He protected us. He delivered into our hands the reading party. This is what the Lord has done. This isn't what you have done. This is amazing what happened. And we can't defile that by suddenly getting petty and jealous and self-centered. This is about us. This isn't about you. This is pretty good leadership, just not just biblical leadership. But this is pretty good leadership in general, getting a sense that this is about us. This isn't about me. This, remember, everybody said this is David's plunder, right? So he could have just said, you know, hey, I got a share of all this. Didn't seem to do that. He was happy to get his wives and kids back. He says, this is about us and this is about God. This is not what we're going to do. And not only that, but all of the extra stuff he gets back, he sends it off to the people who have been supportive of him. He sends it back off to the elders of Israel. Now that's good because eventually David won't be out here. Eventually David won't be out here in the wilderness. And that day is coming quickly. And we'll get to that next week. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on the website at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, You can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.